Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast. I'm your host, Rita Join. The podcast series is all about how to take your passion and convert that into a profession. And my guest today, I'm so super excited to have him on because I've known him for a while from a distance. And his work is such that he had a passion for the work of design and artistry, but he's taken that. And what I find really amazing is he's taken that into a profession. And it's an industry which I find, and I know a lot of people who struggle to take that certain passion and how to actually monetize that, how to do it day in, day out, how to create a living from that. But not only has he been able to make a living from it, a beautiful company he's built, he's been actually been so successful that another company has wanted, has kept his eye on him and wanted to acquire it. So the reverse, roles have kind of reversed for my guest today. So let me get into it. In 2017, Peter Gould, his own design studio, Gould Sydney, acquired by Zalij, after 15 years of serving amazing clients like Etihad Airways, the Dubai government and the UN. Peter's spiritual journey has been a major influence on his creative work. His contributions and founding creative platforms for community initiatives and Islamic economy startups have resulted in global recognition, including major awards from the UAE Prime Minister. He's lectured in innovation and design at the UTS University of Technology in Sydney. He's received the Stanford Certification of Innovation Entrepreneurship Award. He also now currently leads a team developing original brands and products uh, to really revive inclusivity and representative, be representative of the future. It includes brands like Salam Sisters brand, designed to empower and inspire young girls to dream big. He is now the design executive officer at Zilij, and he's there to really design companies with working hand in hand in companies with Dubai. He's really a sought after expert in what he does. His work is all over the world, guys. He is a sought after designer, brand agent, and he, he's here to tell us how he took his passion of design and turned that into a profession. Peter, welcome to Unbox Your Gift. Hey, thanks so much, Rita. Really, really great to chat with you today. Now, I want to just go back in time because how did this passion for design actually emerge? Yes, great question. Uh, I think um, probably if I think about early days of before I even knew what really the word design was, um, you know, I was probably one of those kids scribbling on walls and filling up, you know, scrapbooks with, you know, pictures and cutting out things and putting stuff together. And I remember like making like little advertisements and things like that for like these, you know, imaginary things that I would sort of create, like, I think like a solar powered skateboard and all sorts of random things. So I guess I had some sense of doing that, you know, from a younger age. And then over time, just started to come to understand um, how design can be used to change things and how graphic design, for example, you know, tells us things and, and communicates with us. So um, that's sort of the common thread. And then as I got, you know, into, you know, high school and then university, I really started to understand design a little deeper. Okay. Okay. So when you say design nowadays, we're looking at graphic design, we're looking at artistry. Like what does it encapsulate? Yeah, so at the most fundamental level, if you think of design, it's really about change. So design can be taking one thing and improving it or reimagining it or trying to make it better in some way. So design is really a quite a broad term that many of us are actually involved with day to day. But, you know, in this context here, when we think of design, often we'll try and kind of box it into like, you know, graphic design or some other type of design or product mm -hmm. design. 
Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I've had my own journey through design. So I, I trained in, um, you know, industrial design and product design, but I really loved graphic design, you know, which was sitting in front of, um, you know, uh, sketch pads and then computers to, you know, figure out how do you communicate something? How do you, how do you change someone's sort of understanding very quickly about a concept or, you know, pr promote an event or, um, you know, talk about some new band or something that's coming out, you know? So, so graphic design, I was very attracted to that. And, uh, you know, that, that's sort of how I began. And, you know, even in high school, my, I, I realized my first project um, was actually for a friend who was doing an event, um, like, you know, I think in grade 10 or 11, and I designed a poster for him. Uh, and then realized, you know what, like, uh, I'm going to charge him $20 for that. <laughs> I just, I don't know where I figured that <laughs> from. And, um, you know, it ended up being a success for that person. I was like, you know, I'm earning a lot more money um, doing that than working at McDonald's, which I was at the time. So <laughs> I kind of decided, you know what, I I'm going to give this graphic design thing a, 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 a you know, a better go. <laughs> Oh, so that's really how it started, really. So you're just kind of scribbling. Someone asked you, can you do some work? You charged him and you thought, well, I'm enjoying it and I'm making more money. So why not do the switch? Is that right? Yeah, it was, it was pretty, I think it was pretty, yeah, pretty organic at the time. And I was probably doing little bits and pieces here and there and, um, you know, figuring out the software. And, you know, it was a bit more complex back then. You had to have the right computers and you had to have the right software. But, you know, I was a little bit geeky. So I loved, um, you know, the world of trying to figure stuff out on, on computers and, we also love design and drawing, creating, and um, you know it was sort of the the dream to put those two things together. And then when I realized that, oh well, actually that becomes valuable for some for, for a lot of people because um, they themselves don't have that um, they don't have that capability, or it's expensive for them to go and hire mm -hmm. someone. Mm -hmm. And I guess yeah, my kind of design freelancing career started then when I was probably about seventeen, eighteen, and and it grew out of that. So that's really interesting because I always say that your passion really does manifest or show evidence of what you love to do as a child. And it's just school or, you know, we have to be good at English or maths that we kind of get straight away from our passion and focus on what's important. So really you were scribbling and just, you know, doing that kind of getting your creativity out. So in around school time, you know, like at the school age. Yeah, I guess I was in hindsight, I consider myself like super blessed and really, really fortunate that um, I, I had the right set of circumstances, you know, that allowed me to sort of flourish in that. So, I remember, you know, our school that I went to had, um, you know, some, some good computers that ran Photoshop. And even though the teachers didn't really know what Photoshop is or, or did, but they, it was there and they were like, oh, as soon as they saw that I was interested, they were like, oh, can you, um, can you like, what can you do with this thing? So I was like, yeah, so I... And they let me take it home on, you know, weekends sometimes and school holidays. And um, in hindsight, again, thinking back, I'm like, well, that was really extraordinary because then I was able to just have freedom for days to explore and try things. And I remember sometime later, they asked me to start teaching the teachers about Photoshop. And I did some little lessons. And, you know, again, I probably you know, looking back, I probably had really no idea, but I had enough of an idea to say, look, this is what Photoshop is and here's some little things you can do. Yeah. And you just really learned that by just experimenting on your own. Yeah. Well, you, as you know, there's no, you know, there's no YouTube back then. There's no social media where you can just be like, Hey, everyone, like, how do I do this thing? You had to just mm -hmm. figure it out through experimentation and, and just, um, and it was also the technology was a lot more primitive. So, you know, things would break and files would crash. And when you try large documents out on big printers and things like that, you've always had a lot of trouble and, uh, and whatever. But I was just, you know, I just feel really blessed that 
I had, um, you know, my parents as well were supportive and um, they were like, yeah, go and, you know, play with this computer and, and see what you can make. And uh, I was just lucky that it just felt very organic early on that, yeah, this is something I want to do. And um, I felt, you know, going towards the end of high school and into university, I want to I find a course that has design and I'm able to do this stuff all the time. It's interesting that you keep using that word, Peter. It was very organic that the design process i mean it's just it's interesting that you're using that specific word because what it refrains to me is that it's just very flowy natural just it's the next logical step i mean there was no you know angst about it it was just mm-hmm. it was a flowing of as an extension of who you are so to speak is that correct yeah i think so it, it, you know now you know being now i'm i'm uh, you know in my, my mid 30s and this is you know you had go through and i'm a parent now and you know i've been through a you know a big personal journey um you look back and you find things openings that were made for you and 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 you know doors that opened that you know you couldn't have possibly claimed any sense of um you know intent at the time things just happened for you um and you know i sort of understand that now understanding of like a certain a sense of surrender or acceptance that just, you know, um, you, you can't like, act, you can't control everything around you. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's easier just to um, see what doors open and go through. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I did feel um, as I started to, I think, get into university and I started to see this freelancing thing actually can be work for me really well. Um, I, I just started doing a lot less university work and a lot more freelancing and trying to get, you know, clients and projects. And this was around the sort of dot-com era, um, you know, early 2000s, where if you could make a website and you could build stuff like this, then you were kind of sought after. So it was, it was, it was really thrilling at that time. So you were a wanted man. You were a wanted for what you had because it was just prime time, like prime location. It was prime time for you. <laughs> well, it's probably, it's probably a bit too generous to describe it that way. I mean, there, <laughs> there were plenty of other kind of design students around trying to do similar things. But um, I uh, just, again, through circumstances that I, I really appreciate now, you know, ended up having a, um, you know, sharing a little office in, in the city of Sydney, you know, in, and, and the kind of people that will come in and in that area. Um, were working for some big companies and you know they just kind of got to know me a little and little by little I was like um, kind of like oh ask, ask that kid he's the kid that does computers and design sort of stuff and um, again just kind of being in the right place and having that open mindset and I was I also I think very hungry and like you know like trying to do stuff mm-hmm. and learn and build and um, you know probably a little bit too self-confident uh, <laughs> you know I remember plenty of times going yeah, of course I can do that project and then you know, not sleeping for like three days yeah. trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally get that. So tell me, in the early days, I know that there was the demand because it was the dot-com era and you had a skill set that was really very valued in that time, specifically in that time period. Mm-hmm. Was it hard recruiting clients to start a business back then? Yeah, so, um, yeah, it, 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 I, I mean, I honestly had very little idea of, of how to go about running a business or even, I mean, I was learning everything from, from scratch. I mean, I was at, at, you know, a university doing design, but, you know, at that time they didn't teach you anything about, you know, finding clients and, you know, running a business and doing your, you know, doing your tax forms and, you know, none of that. It was really what I was learning about, you know, technical and theoretical aspects of design, but everything else is just on the fly. So, um, and it would happen where, um, 
you know, I, you know, you meet someone or I'm at, you know, some community event. Um, for example, I, was, I remember being, I was a volunteer in the, um, you know, in, in Australia, we have the state emergency service, which is like these, you know, volunteers and they go and help in floods and disasters. And uh, I remember like, you know, t telling people I met there like, oh yeah, I do design and, you know, make business cards and that kind of stuff. And and then from there, you know, someone says, oh, sure. Well, I have this company or my friend has this thing and they introduce you. And then on the other side at university, you meet someone and they recommend you, oh, you should meet this guy. And you just uh, start, you know, casually sharing. And because design and graphic design is very visual, it's easy to see, is this guy good or not? <laughs> you know, you, yeah. can, you can say, hey, here's my folio. Here's my stuff. Um, mm. You know, check out my website. Um, and at that time, um, it's very different to now where you can just go online and find designers and, you know, software much easier. So um, it just, it was a combination of circumstances, but also being active and, you know, being a bit, um, you know, always being proactive as well to sort of share and, and, you know, ask for referrals and things like that. Oh, great. So did you do any marketing at all, Peter? Like other than word of mouth and being there networking, was there any other marketing involved? So for someone who's just listening right now and is looking to start up something to do with design, was there any kind of active marketing you did? Yeah, well, I definitely tried a, a range of things. I mean, it was, it was all predominantly word of mouth, and, and that mm -hmm. still is the best of today, of course. Mm -hmm. But um, at the very start, I remember, I mean, this is really aging, showing my age now, but um, <laughs> I remember placing an ad in the yellow pages, which is like a, you know, a printed <laughs> book, right? And I'm not kidding. And, and it cost a lot of money at the time. It was like a, it was like a little thing, you know, you know, graphic design and website design, da, da, da. And I'm pretty sure I got zero calls, like, from a wow. And I was just like, okay, well, well, that didn't work. Um, mm. And what did work, though, was the, when you have a finished visual job, right? And it's mm. like a, it's like a, um, it's like this continual walking upstairs where you show someone and they're happy with the job, you do a good job, you build a relationship, they recommend you, they refer you. And then, you know, for example, I, I got to know somebody who was working at a local council, you know, like a, um, you know, local government thing. They saw um, what I was doing and, um, yeah, they said, oh, well, we have this small community project. Maybe you can pitch for it. I remember going and pitch it. I was really excited, enthusiastic. I ended up getting the job. And then, you know, that job led to another one and another one. And then I was doing local council work. And then I got a senior government. And then I got a state and a federal government projects after you know a few wow. years of doing that we were doing annual reports for you know you know senior federal um government departments yeah. uh, you know after time but you know anyway there were lots of lots of um problems during that process <laughs> plenty of mistakes and learning I can, as you would. I can only imagine but did you ever kind of have to do work that you did not enjoy like and when you said the word annual reports i was like oh how creative can you make <laughs> annual reports yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely i mean i had to balance um i mean honestly the ma majority of that is not you know the most exciting work that i would be sort of proud of saying that's you know game-changing um you know high impact work in fact a lot but but i'm actually really grateful for that because mm -hmm. you know that's your quote-unquote bread and butter work mm -hmm. that let me just really get really strong at doing you know basics of design work i'm maybe doing like loads of packaging and lots of things that was repetitive and this is um, at the time when things like podcasts were just coming out and the iPod was new. So I remember like, you know, putting headphones on and listening to audiobooks for hours and hours while I'm trying to, um, you know, do, do design. So um, you find ways to make it work, you know, and learn in every stage. Okay. So basically it was one thing led to another, led to another. And so how did you get the great big guns like Etihad Airways and the UN? And like, how did that momentum build to bring clients like that on board? 
Yeah, so, so for a few years through the journey of doing this, um, one key thing that happened is that I, I actually had um, a big personal and spiritual journey mm -hmm. sort of open around the same time that I was sort of going through university and finishing up university. And that involved lots of different things that I never would have thought about, you know, even a few years earlier. And uh, that involved, for example, traveling and going to places like Morocco and Turkey and places later on like Syria and, you know, you know these southern Spain and seeing places like Alhambra. And I had this very spiritual and creative journey kind of going together. Um, so I ended up actually becoming Muslim. And that was a whole new path of thinking, you know, about life and, and you know, my purpose and then questioning my professional and creative work. You know, so, you know, what's, what does that mean? Like what I'm here, I am designing a catalog of cutlery. Mm. Like what does that mean in the scheme of things? It's not very exciting or meet or, or impact. Yeah. And I started to think about, you know, maybe I really need to use this design work and these creative kind of, you know, blessings and gifts to um, help, you know, impact some of the changes that I see, even in my local community of, of Muslims that I was getting to know. And, and from around um, sort of, you know, that would be probably around 2004, five and six, I traveled a lot and I started to meet Muslim communities in um, the United States and Malaysia and, you know, London um, and talk about design and meet, you know, look for inspiration, other designers, other creatives, photographers. So, you know, for example, there's a great photographer and, and now a friend of mine, uh, Peter Sanders, who is a photographer that had been spend the last 40 years in the Muslim world, you know, mm -hmm. capturing stories. And I just was so incredible. It felt like this whole new uh, discovery of creative and spiritual inspiration. So going back to your question, that really, you know, enabled me to think uh, with a different mode of creative thinking, this kind of spiritual influence and uh, visit a lot of places. So with Etihad, for example, and other bigger clients, um, I had a good, um, I think, portfolio of design but then I was starting to bring this I guess creative um, you know level of thinking or ideas that might be different to other designers out there you know there was a point of difference there's a uniqueness like oh here's this random Australian Muslim graphic designer guy <laughs> you know mm -hmm. there weren't many of many of us at that time that were had years of graphic design experience professionally but then um, understanding a little bit of Arabic understanding a bit of you know cultural nuance and um, that's what started to be attractive to some of these bigger clients. Okay. So there was, now that's an interesting thing because you converted to Islam and I, I, I believe then that your work was very much inspired by Islamic designs and philosophy and values. Did you, because you just converted and now that your work is being influenced by the way that you're seeing design and how you're thinking about things, did you ever have the feeling that, well, what if... I don't get enough interest because they're Islamically inspired, these designs. Did you ever have a fear of there could be a lack of clients wanting more of my work? I mean, yes, you've got Etihad Airways, but mm. what about the greater pool of clients? Did you, that ever fear ever come to you? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, it was, it was sort of a, probably a turbulent few years during this whole process because, um, you know, I had these original threads of clients that were going really well and I started to have to, you know, grow my team a little bit to handle that sort of demand. But my heart was really, you know, pulling me into create work that was not about annual reports. It was about, you know, trying to create some sort of more meaningful work to me. And I also actually had to, um, it was a test because I had to actually say goodbye to some work that 
was a bit problematic now in my sort of new faith mm -hmm. and some of the types of things that people wanted me to help design and promote. And um, that actually cost me a lot of um, some pretty lucrative projects and clients, you know, for yeah. some, for some big names. Yeah. Um, and at the time it was challenging because I was like, Oh, you know, it's, it's great projects and I work, you know, I feel like I've worked hard to get them. But ultimately those things were um, replaced many, many more times over with this, you know, new, you know, the sort of, um, you know, this we in Islam we have this concept of baraka or blessing. You know, mm -hmm. and I felt like you know there was a, there was a new level of baraka in the new type of work I was doing that would just mm -hmm. flourished. And you know, I was very mm -hmm. fortunate that that shared. And pretty soon over that period, I had this balance of mainstream kind of um, commercial work, and then this I guess more specialty type of um, experimental Islamic design work um, happening. And then over time, they sort of the two came more and more together in the last, you know, probably the last five years. And did you find peace? Like, so obviously you now became selective of what you would work with based on your values. And that's a big part of having your passion work for you is that it has to be in line with your values. Otherwise the passion becomes compromised. Did you, did you find peace or did you find uh, purpose in those works, those kind of things like the design for cutlery, for instance? How, what does that mean in the greater scheme of things? Did you find peace in creating designs for something like that? Well, you know, I, I had to, um, I, I was learning a lot and in, in going through this whole creative and sort of inner journey at the same time. So I, I think it's perfectly okay to find meaning in, in any kind of work. And it's, it's mm -hmm. honorable and, and noble. And, and, you know, if you have good intention and you're doing great, honest work, you know, that's great. And what a blessing to be able to mm -hmm. get graphic design work to sustain yes. you. Like that was just fantastic. Uh, but I, th I think I felt like, um, probably as I was meeting some of these other super cool, inspiring, creative Muslims, like I lived in, um, you know, California for a year around that time. And I just found this amazing community of Muslim creatives there. And I was like, these guys get it. You know, they're, they're really, um, they're creating game changing work that you see how their community is empowered and inspired. And, um, you know, the work they're doing is, is meaningful and very inclusive. And it's, you know, it's not sort of stuck in a pocket for Muslims. It's very open and um, welcoming. And I would just, I felt like I kept learning and, and trying to create more work like that. And, and, uh, that was, um, uh, you know, any sort of fear or challenge I had about, um, losing other kind of work. It, it kind of wasn't, um, yeah, I just, I, I guess I kept going. I just kept going forward. I didn't, didn't mm -hmm. get too caught up and stressed in, in that. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's fair. And I love that because I honestly find when you said that, you know, you, there was some work that you had to give up along the line to align with your new values. I remember when I was a teaching just last year and the year before, when I was workshopping and teaching people how to craft talks and signature presentations to recruit clients, there was one person that came up to me and who had a, a, a winery or an alcohol shop, something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. She came up to me and she said, can you teach me how to do presentations? Because when I present to clients, I want the big corporates to, and I recall like that would have been a very lucrative thing for me, but I, it's exactly right. When your co values are compromised, the passion no longer exists because yeah. there's anguish, there is anxiousness, there is unease. Yeah. And because, and so I know exactly what you're talking about when you had to turn away because the fundamental passion becomes passion and you love it because there's an alignment. And when yeah. that becomes a disalignment, that's when there is a lot of panic and the passion just kind of fades away. Yeah. And it affects your performance, right? I mean, it's just on that, like you, you, um, you know, you need to find a way to, res you know, respectfully and diplomatically, like I'm not, look, I'm not judging your work or your brand or how you're yes. doing things. Um, 
but it's just like you know and i was doing stuff in advertising for big advertising companies and you, you just you can imagine the way they use women the way they mm. use kind of mm. um a lot of the conventions of advertising mm. at that time i just like i feel like this is not right you know and i was mm. i was um having these uh and it just it came to a point where um the, you know, the groups I was working with could see that like, okay, this guy's really selective and wh what's going on. Let's just find someone else. So, mm -hmm. you know, I said goodbye to some big projects, but then like you said, all these other great um, things started happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's testament to the journey that you've been on. I mean, I, mean, I know it hasn't been a bed of roses. Nothing is a bed of roses, but the fact that you had your own business for 15 years and then, uh, am I pronouncing it correctly? Zilege? Yeah, that's yeah. right. The leech came along and said, you're doing great work. Come along with us and partner on with us. That's just yeah. testament to how it's just grown. So in 15 years, now that you've been acquired or, you know, partnered with this other big group called the Legion, the UAE, why did you do that? Why did you stop being, having your own business on its own and then partner up with something even bigger? Yeah. So one thing that you, you always want to do, I think as an individual, but, you know, particularly in designing the creative industry, or anything involving, um, you know, innovative technology is you need to cont continually reinvent and re-question what you're doing and, and look at your, 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 your work, your projects, your processes, and just um, make sure that, you know, you're still moving forward because if, especially in the design or creative industries, you, if you kind of get stuck, um, uh, then you, get, you really get left behind. And at this around probably around, you know, five years ago, I, I was personally interested in, um, I started really getting into reading about startups and entrepreneurship and innovation and really excited by, um, probably it came out of when I was, you know, in the Bay Area in San Francisco and you could take a short drive down to Google or Apple and, and I became friends with some of these kind of, um, you know, guys that would work in these companies and I was like, man, these guys are just a different level. Like they're just, you know, you meet someone from Facebook and like, you know, they're doing a quick test on a, on a project that they're working on that all our test audience is a million people, you know, and, yeah. but once it goes out, it's going to reach 500 million people. And I was just like, wow, these guys are just, you know, they're, they're, they're shaping the world, you know, um, through, you know, through their, their creative work and design work. So that had a big impact. And then I became more and more interested in, okay, well, um, you know, what, what, what is the role of design within that? And what, is, and so I started to think about creating, um, products and projects and, and things like apps and, and books that uh, solved some of the direct problems or concerns that I had. So as a parent, um, when my kids came around, uh, I was like, you know, there's certain type of content and books and toys and things that don't exist that I would love to see in the world. So I started experimenting and making little uh, books and games and, and apps and, you know, I crowdfunded some ideas to see if people like them. And before I knew it, I had um, over, you know, two or three years launching different little experiments, apps and a couple of different websites and different projects. And, and, and that, that was great. So I, the mode of thinking changed from just I'm now working for others doing graphic design, doing consulting to let's try and solve some of these problems and, and address some of the needs that, we, that I can see in our communities uh, through design. Mm -hmm. And that led to this journey of like, well, the company started to want to develop its own projects and products. And I could see the limitation at my, my time of my team at the time was only probably around um, five people. And there's only so much you can do, you know, as a team of five, if you want to create, you know, pr products that will be used globally. And that led to a whole conversation and journey with Zilege, um, of which I was involved with in the early stages as well. And then over a couple of years to just give you the abridged version 
um, it just made a lot of sense that my, you know, local, you know, Sydney design team would be sort of acquired into this larger project. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a whole separate podcast, but we now have around 20 staff globally. Um, you know, we've launched our first couple of ranges of, of products mm. and, uh, really exciting journey. Nice. So, so it's interesting, uh, Peter, when you talk about that, when you talk about your own staff, and this is a, a concern that a lot of business owners have, did your work become compromised because now you are a business owner and you had to manage staff and you had to make sure that payroll was done and you had to make sure that people had time off and they had their lunch break, all that. Did you, or did you have a manager doing all that? How did you balance that out by just being your creative self versus having the managerial director kind of hat on? Yeah, yeah great question, especially something that, uh, you know, quote unquote, um, you know, designers or, you know, creative mm. professionals you know, traditionally struggle with, yes. um, you know, and, and uh, you know, there's sort of this, um, you know, there's this stigma around like, oh, if you're really good at some particular creative art or design, then like, oh, you're useless with numbers and you can't mm-hmm. handle people. And, and, you know, that some of that might be true, but, but I also feel that um, people can fall into that trap and think, oh, well, I can't do business. I can't do numbers. I need someone to, to manage all of that stuff and all the boring stuff. And I just want to sit and create in front of my Mac all day. I think that's, you know, like I can see that for some people, but I think a lot of people limit themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of forced to, like when I was at um, university, I was trying to do, you know, do subjects and, you know, do, do like assignments as well as client projects. Um, I needed help. So, I mean, I started like asking friends from university, like, hey, can I pay you this much an hour to help do, mm-hmm. do these tasks and I'll help you through it. And, and I ended up, you know, hiring just friends and, you know, having this system of freelancers to get projects done. And it just came out of um, necessity you know, to figure out how to do that stuff. And then, you know, I had to have my company, um, of course, you know, uh, everything I had to, I mean, I'm sure any small business owner knows every quarter you've got to you do your business activity statements. You've got to have your, you know, installment activity statements. You've got to have your workers comp, your, you know, insurance, <laughs> on and on and on, superannuation, 9.5%. So I had to just figure all that stuff out and just, and just do it. And, was, it, um, was it worth it? Like, was it because you, you just kind of go like my passion? Because a lot of people struggle with that. They think, well, my passion's getting lost. Like, I can't even like, but did you just, you could see the end. You could see that you could be more passionate about what you do. If you just did the short term, just managing like these little bits and pieces. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think probably, and probably I, I probably made it sound a lot more like um, difficult than, than it is. Like I, I probably summarize all these things, you know, in one long sentence, but the reality is like, really especially now with the, with the software and the way things are like it, it just you know it just invest a little bit of time and you know that stuff you get you get on top of it really quickly mm-hmm. in this country like in australia it's actually really simple to mm-hmm. to do things like that i mean maybe it's easy for me to say that now but i do feel like um thing, uh, there's a lot of tools that make much easier you know especially when you're getting started so if that's your barrier like if that's your resistance is like mm-hmm. oh i don't know you know that the official stuff the admin the the tax stuff don't don't stress like i say to people really like you you'll get on top of that quickly and i i would advise that don't like try and find someone to just manage it and like you know take it away you know own it and embrace mm-hmm. it and um really try try and you know, at least from the early days, try and do all of those things that we have a good handle on how things work. What are my obligations? Um, and you just get into this pattern of, um, of just doing things quickly and, and focusing then on the real work. 
You, you know, it's interesting that you say that to, to get a handle on it. There's a, there's a culture right now, there's a movement right now that I find that's been there for quite some time. It's the hustle movement. You know, hustle, do more, do more, do more. Are, mm-hmm. you, the, are you a hustler? Like, do you, are you in from that mindset that you just got to do, 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 or do you kind of go with alignment and just whatever feels right, you go with that? Or do you like, do you push, push, push? Like that's what the hustle seems to be. Yeah. I, th- I think I go through cycles. I mean, there's been, there's been cycles where, you know, if you're trying to grow a design consultancy and, a bit, you know, you, you need to make sure you've got work and you're sustainable mm-hmm. and you've got good projects coming in and hopefully, you know, better and better ones. Um, so, you know, like, uh, yeah, you do, you do kind of need to get out there, get in front of people, share your work and, you know, create a bit of buzz and, you know, try and work on a, a brand. You know, there's that phrase I like, which is if you want better clients, then build a better brand. Like, you know, there's that sort of like, you, you know, so you have to go out, which means, um, you know, promoting and sharing your work and, and all of that. So there's that side. But then there's other times where I need to just reflect and think and take, you know, a few weeks during this process just to, you know, go for a walk or, you know, bike cycle or whatever. And then after, you know, a whole day of just thinking, you sit down and put together a really strong strategic uh, approach to some new idea or some new new project that you want to take on. Um, so you kind of need both, I think. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And here's what's interesting. I know you mentioned before that you created like books and apps and there's three that I've understood. There's the uh, creativeummah.com which showcases mm-hmm. Muslims that uh, change makers and creatives. There's islamimagined.com, a free platform with over 30 unique STEAM-inspired activities. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Muslim Gift Guide, and that's also a free platform that basically showcases creativity and design for Muslim entrepreneurs around the world. Why did you start these platforms? What's, is that just, are you able to build your extend your brand by doing these things are you able to just get a creativity you know something coming up inside you just to release that like what's the the thinking behind these platforms well once you have a team and you have a good set of um people around you that you can trust and businesses sort of got some sort of rhythm then you know it's a blessing then to be able to say well here are the things that around me that i feel like are are, are there gaps that i see or you know missing Mm -hmm. pieces in in what what i can see personally and people around me so for example something like islamimagine.com was um you know I, i was starting to see you know with my kids in school and visiting other uh kids and communities around the world um, this thread of like, well, uh, some of the uh, Islamic sort of you know, learning environments were, were not doing justice to the, you know, their beautiful heritage of, you know, Islamic creative heritage, you know, this incredible mm-hmm. level of um, design and artistry that was always sort of the heart of, of the faith, um, that, you know, the way that things were visually kind of beautifully designed. And I felt that, um, well, I can help that, you know, small but hopefully meaningful way with a, with a, you know, sets of activities that, that, you know, help kids understand design and artistry that bring in their heritage, but encourage them to build this, you know, bright future. So it was just being able to um, identify things and, and then, you know, get some support or work with partners to build some of these things. So Islam Imagine was one, Creative Ummah, again, same thing as I was meeting lots of these great, super inspiring people everywhere. And I'm like, well, I feel guilty because we're, we're sitting having this coffee or we're sitting, you know, having this great chat. But, you know, I know that there's hundreds of other people out there that would really benefit from hearing the advice you're giving me. So mm-hmm. a simple thing I could do is just, you know, help capture some of their thoughts and share them online through, you know, Creative Ummah or other, you know, projects. Okay. That, that's really interesting. And so they're free so that they're open to the public to just go and, you know, absorb the information. Um, yeah. Are you yeah. ever looking to monetize those kinds of things? 
just because for some who are, people who are listening and they're looking for yeah. other streams of income, would, yeah. would that be a stream of income? It, look, I explored different things. I, I put those three, the three projects and honestly, there was probably a, you know, a, a dozen other ones that are, that are creative experiments on the journey and, mm-hmm. and looking for which ones are, uh, have the most impact in terms of people actually you know, engaging and, and sharing and, and learning from them um, and then how they benefit. So, for example, some of them might have then opened up new opportunities for our own design studio to, to, to meet new clients and people, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of the sort of, I would call entrepreneurial experiments I tried really made any sort of real money, but they, they made um, um, definitely helped us be sustainable and, you know, collectively opened up bigger and bigger opportunities to, such as the, the Zalige kind of project that, um, you know, is now we, we heavily uh, aligned with in the last couple of years. Um, so I think um, definitely, I mean, it depends on your approach and, and there's lots of sort of, like you said, um, thinking and activity and buzz around side hustles and building your thing and mm-hmm. getting passive income. And I think that's cool. But I think uh, the way I would look at any of those things is it's all, they're all experiments and learning and they're all on part of a journey. And it really took me, you know, five to 10 years before I really got to the point now where I'm really happy with our, our company and what we're doing. And we've, you know, we've launched, um, you know, uh, products to, um, globally and they're distributed in, you know, UK, Indonesia, wherever. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. selling, you know, hundred thousand plus games or something that, mm-hmm. that took a long time to get to that point. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I, and that's what I wanted to ask you also, because I know your artwork, your photography, you know, just like I was, when I was researching it, Peter, like your work, you're just alone is found in collections of the Saudi Royal, Royal family, the PM of Australia, the prime minister of Australia, famed entrepreneur. So, you I mean, your work is pretty much, you know, you've made a splash. You've made a huge splash, mashallah. And so my question is to you then is, having made this splash in the world, in the work that you do, what was the, I don't know if that you will use this word, but I went to a school uh, presentation the other day and they said failure was first attempt in learning. So how many first <laughs> attempts in learning failures did you have in this journey to get to this, I'm happy where I am right now with my work. Well, it's this. They're still happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's always, there's always, you know, fail attempt in learning. Uh, often, I, and I, I mean, I, that's something I probably borrowed heavily from from this startup culture that I've, you know, had a this relationship with. Is that you know, that's the sort of prevailing mindset. Is like, look at everything. You know, failure is learning and experimenting. Um, you know, I, I don't think you, you know sh- you should just celebrate your failures like as much as maybe some of these startup cultures do but i i do think you know we just it's just a mindset you have to have is that everything is a step to the next thing and the next thing and even now like i mean i feel like um yes i feel really blessed and super um happy and inspired with my team and how things are going but you know we still make plenty of mistakes and we're figuring things out and you know every week you know we might do something that didn't work or um every month like we'll try something and you only realize three months later it's like oh actually like you know, we should have done it this way. That's just, the, that's just how we are. That's how, that's how humans work. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're tried and tested and, and, you know, there's plenty of challenges along the way. So um, it's just the mindset of like, um, I think the biggest thing really, the mindset is having a mindset of gratitude, right? Having, that's what, what's what keeps me through every day. I write three things I'm grateful for. Um, I'd be, you know, I just try to, um, you know, be thankful for, for whatever challenges come my way and, and, be happy that um you know that's just always part of the the bigger plan in life going on around me i love that are you able to share a specific 
shortfall, downfall, something so that our audiences, because we hear a lot of successes, but it, mm-hmm. with, like you say, within that success was just, you know, there were times that are tough. Can you share a tough moment, a specific tough moment? Yeah, you know, honestly, there's, there's been plenty. There's been plenty, um, lots of different challenges and things that came along the way, you know, on your, your personal journey, your inner journey. Um, I think, what, I mean, um, look, there's, there's project examples I can think of, but probably, you know, a, a more meaningful one, if I'm really honest, was um, at some point, I think uh, when things were going so well and growing really fast and, and social media was just blowing up and all of a sudden I'm, you know, you know, sharing and posting and I'm with all these sort of, you know, well-known people. I think one challenge is like um, looking back, I see all these cringeworthy posts and selfies and things where I was like, you know, like really just thinking that I'm much bigger and better than that I was. Like, I, you know, I wasn't being honest with myself that all these blessings were coming to me and they're not because of my, you know, of my talent or anything. It's really just, I was really, you know, lucky and fortunate. And looking back, I think um, I wish I was a little bit more humble and a bit more um, just I don't know, aware of like um, also you don't want to make other people feel upset in like you keep saying, oh, look at me, I'm doing this and doing that. So I feel that's something that I've learned a little bit to just be a little bit more chilled out and humble. I'm still <laughs> a long way to go. But, um, you know, that's part of the, the journey of, of maturing through life, I think. But I saw that the journey of maturing through um, and just building that understanding of social media because it's easy to get caught up with the whirlwind of how it should be done or how it's currently being done um, and just kind of just finding your own space within how to, what you want to represent yourself, yeah. your work and your views and your standpoint on social media. I find that's, a, yes. that's a kind of an art to it, you know, being, being yes. vulnerable, being transparent, being honest, and at the same yeah. time just holding your ground about yes. you know what you find yourself to be noble or honorable yes there is a beautiful quote that i found uh that uh, i read that inspires you and that is by rumi one of the highest selling poets in the united states and mm-hmm. rumi was a 13th century poet, poet jurist islamic scholar theologian and he says that load the ship and set out no one knows for certain whether the vessel will sink or reach the harbor cautious people say I'll do nothing until I can be sure. Merchants know better. If you do nothing, you lose. Don't be one of those who won't risk the ocean. Yeah. Do yeah. you find for where you are right now, did you risk, I mean, I don't know, because starting up a consultancy, making sure you have work in a design practice, you know, you have a family, you've got kids, mm-hmm. you know, you've got responsibility, right, outside of yourself. So did you find that at times that was like risking an ocean, like it was just to get back in the early days to get the work in, to get it produced, not sleeping for three days, like you mentioned before, to get the work Mm -hmm. out again, saying yes to anything. Like, was that a big risk for you just taking the plunge and saying yes to things that you were just working at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so much, so much I love about that quote and it's so deep and given that it's, it's very, it's timeless. And you mm-hmm. think about it in the 13th century and it talks about merchants and merchants setting out and, you know, risking the ocean and, and then, you know, also benefiting from the, the rewards of doing that, but just having that courage and being bold to just try something. And, and you know, that ultimately um, you have to try with your best intention, but then, you know, you don't know what's going to be on the ocean. You don't know the storms, you don't know what other vessels, you don't know what, if you're, mm-hmm. 
all sorts of things can happen. Um, but absolutely, you've, you've, the, the ocean is there. You know, go. That's the purpose of it is to is 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 go for it and attempt it and don't be just you know looking at your your bathtub and thinking that's the ocean. You know, turn mm-hmm. around. The ocean's right behind you and and sail. Uh, and, and that's the sort of advice I'd be trying to give my, my kids and people that ask me is, yeah, um, you know, don't just look at where you are and the people around you only look at this incredible global opportunity around you and, and mm. all the people on before you and um, have a good intention and go explore it and, and be ready that it's, there's going to be storms. Um, but it's OK. You know, um, there's so much wonderful learning in it. Um, at the very least, you can say, well, I tried. Um, maybe the first voyage didn't work so well, but mm. hey, I'm on this island over here now and I discovered this and I met this person. And because mm. of that, I'm going to sail here. So, um, yeah, just, you know, I think I encourage people to just enjoy that and, and try to be grateful, even for the, the storms, be grateful. Mm. Um, and that's hard because then you'll always be content and happy with what comes your way. Love that. Love that. If someone's listening to you right now, Peter, and thinking, well, I've got a design practice, but my biggest competition is something like Fiverr or mm-hmm. Canva. Yeah. How would you, how would you, what advice would you give to differentiate yourself from those platforms yeah. and be sought out? Yep. Great. Uh, absolutely. And that's very real. Like that's, you know, we've seen huge changes in professional practice, understanding it. And it's great. Don't be afraid of it. Like, you know, see that as like, well, that's, that's how things go. It's how, it's just the cycle that will keep going. And don't be, don't be worried. It's like, Oh no, Fiverr are going to come in and no one's going to come and, you know, take work from anymore. Um, you've got to look at like, well, you know what, there's so much more people still need help with and understand um, the role of design. I, I would say to, if you're in a design um, consulting role or you're in a creative industry, dive deep into strategic design. So that's understanding not just how design looks, but how it works. Where is it, where is it meaningful? How are, you know, looking to design thinking, uh, looking to um, things like a business model canvas and how, understanding how um, business works and the role of design in that. So dive deeper and don't think of yourself as just a visual designer, a graphic designer, but the more you understand the, um, the role of design in a business today, such as all the big companies leading the world, like everything from you know, Uber or Tesla, these big tech companies, design is what they use. They're not selling petroleum. They're not selling you know, power or electricity. Um, you know, they, they're selling design. They use design to create experiences. Mm-hmm. So how can you as a designer or even an entrepreneur who doesn't think of yourself as a designer, bring a design mindset to what you're doing and see how you can solve problems and, and go deeper and deeper and deeper. And uh, you know, I think if you keep learning and learning and, and uh, applying that type of approach, then um, yeah, you'll, you'll be tremendously valuable to any business around you, regardless of what other websites are doing design at that time. Love that. And is that part of your, just your d- monthly, weekly, daily activities, Peter, to always be looking at, like, do you have a set time for when you want to look at what's the latest thing? What's the latest technology or how can I improve this? Like, is, there, is that part of your routine or is it just done unconsciously? I think it's a mix. Um, a big thing is like having the right people around you where they're excited to share and they have a sharing and learning mindset. And, you know, the, there's so much wisdom around like, you know, the five people you spend the most mm-hmm. time with, you know, who, who you'll become and that sort of thing. There's, I think there's a lot of truth in things like that. So try and find, you know, be around people that are excited by learning and changing. And, um, you know, entrepreneurs can be very exciting uh, people to be around and they're mm-hmm. always sharing different, different ideas. And uh, I think a lot of my learning comes from yeah, having, being around the right company, um, of people uh, who, who are active learners. 
Um, but then I also had to venture out and, and do it. So, I mean, two, three years ago, I decided to formally go back to study, which I had not done, you know, since I barely got through my original degree, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was, you know, like over, you know, like 10, 10, 10 12 years ago. And um, I went to Stanford and did a, did a two-year part-time course in innovation. And honestly, it was incredibly hard because, you know, I've, I've got three kids. I've got, you know, growing team and, and projects. It was really tough. And many times I said, well, why am I doing this? You know, I, I, don't, I really don't think I need to do this, but I had to. I had to learn. And I got so much out of that experience um, that, you know, that formal study as well was, was, a, was a wonderful experience. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. And what is your vision for yourself, for your work, for Zalij, what's the ultimate that you would like to one day be able to really gain? I think it's, it's a, there's a few parts to that answer. Uh, you know, at a personal level, of course, you know, as, as a father, as a mm -hmm. husband, you, you know, you want to see your, your immediate family have, have success and, you know, encouraging them the best you can and, you know, leave, um, you know, great inspiration on people around you. And then, your, you know, your colleagues, your teammates and help them through their journeys with, you know, through their own, lives but you know through design and, and embracing um design as a force for change um at a bigger level i'd love to see uh i'd love to really become more of an advocate for design as a tool for change and mm -hmm. and so as a design education and, and around the world in different communities probably in muslim communities that i spend time with is let, let them um embrace and understand design and design methodologies and tools to change their situation to improve um, their lives to, um, you know, have a, you know, more fulfilling experiences in what they're working on and understanding design. Um, so I think if I'm able to help people understand and, and use design as, as this tool for change, that'd be a great thing to, to leave in the world. Um, and then probably all the other regular answers you get <laughs> around the world where you're trying to make a more inclusive world, more positive. Um, uh, you know, we've got a lot of, we've got some really, there's some dark things happening in the world right now but just to be grateful for those as challenges and how mm. I can in my own capacity, my own family, my own team, my own company, how do I impact those things? And, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone uh, in their own way, it does their best on that journey. I love that. Love that so much. And Peter, if people want to follow you or follow your work, what you do, where can they best find you? Yeah, you can just Google my name, Peter Gould, um, and sign up to uh, my email probably is good on uh, peter-gould.com. Um, or if you, you know, if you're an Instagrammer, then, you know, I, I post there a bit as well. Um, and also if you're interested in, um, you know, sort of, uh, there's a leech kind of, kind of work. I'd love to, you know, we're just in the, you know, phases of launching our products. So check out zaleej.com and, uh, love to get your input and feed, feedback as we, um, we start launching those brands. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Peter, thank you so much for giving us the insight, the inspiration and the real behind the scenes look of what it's like to start up a consultancy, a design consultancy and have it accelerate the way you have. So thank you so, so much. No, thank you. It was really great to chat with you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to the Uncut Box to Give podcast. Remember to subscribe if you haven't already. And if you have, make sure you follow us on social media so that you get the latest insights and updates on the upcoming episodes. Thanks so much. And we'll catch you next time.